Hey, you found us. Welcome to Comfortably Uncomfortable, Not Another Running Story. I'm Megan Fanning, and I'm joined by Sean Meehan. We created this podcast to continue the real conversations that we have when we get outside to run, bike, surf, climb, or whatever it is that you do. We love the real conversations when boundaries come down, because really, that's when it gets interesting. Hey, gang. We have a favor to ask of you. If you would go to the app that you use to listen to our podcast, please follow and subscribe to our show. This really helps us. And it also really helps you because you will never miss an episode. While you're there, if you could also leave us a five-star rating and a great review. These type of things are super helpful for us because they help our ratings. Last but not least, share this with a friend. There's somebody out there who hasn't heard this and I'm sure would appreciate the share. Thanks, everybody. What's up, Megan? How are you doing are on you, this fine How are you day? doing? What's going on, Sean? Oh, I have Jesus in my heart and I'm full of love. Everything's great. Birthday. What's that? You had a birthday. I think that was the last time I like actually talked to you. I did. I, I, I'm feeling my age. I'm feeling my age. But, I, but you have to, let's pause for a minute. Did any of your friends wish you happy birthday as many times as I did? No, no one sent me no. as, as many GIFs <laughs> as you did. I thought I was going to get one for each Is year of my life, but GIF? you did not. It's a GIF. Ask the guy who created it. Ooh. I don't care what he says. I call it a GIF. <laughs> but anyway, yes, I did send you a number of happy, happy birthday wishes. I didn't want you to feel neglected or like I wasn't paying attention to you. Oh, that's so nice. I know. I know. I'm, I am really feeling my age today. Um, Why's that? So I've, I, we're going to get into like what happened this past weekend, but prior, yeah. before we get into that, I have changed, I've kind of changed my training focus this past week. Not necessarily in light of events this past weekend, but just just I, I want to reset, refocus. Um, and so I've shifted from running as a primary focus for, for six to seven days a week to doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu for like two to three days a week, mountain biking for about three days a week, lifting weights for about three days a week, and running for two to three days a week. So let me ask you. When Which actually might your... be more work in total. Than yeah, I was going to, well, yeah, I probably. It, when you're doing your jujitsu, do you just do it in the basement, like by yourself? Oh, no. I. What do you that, do? I have a coach in the gym. And... Oh, really? Oh, man, I wish I had that up here. Because yeah. when I do, when I do boxing workouts, I'm just in my basement by myself. Or, or if I'm lucky, I have somebody hold the pads for me, but I don't I don't have a place to go. Yeah, my um, no, it, I, my son's been doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for, I guess, three or four years now. Um, and he was part of a gym that was closer, and one of the coaches left that gym and kind of started his own gym, and he had a good relationship with that coach. And so. When we made that move, 
I had gone to like several practices and it kind of like, it kind of brought me back a little bit to the way he runs his classes in, in his gym and the way his gym is structured really took me back to where like I had started with like Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and MMA and uh, the gyms that like I worked out in when I was in Virginia. And I was like, oh, that kind of like, that kind of feels homey and like it's something I'd like to do. But the focus is always running and running and running and running and running. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to, when you're in a training regimen for whatever you're doing for racing and big racing, your focus becomes very singular. Yep. And so mm-hmm, because of sure. that, it's like hard to, well, I can't run today because I'm going to go do jujitsu for two hours or like right. do some, do some uh, kickboxing or Muay Thai and, and, and boxing and for an hour and then do jujitsu. Like you, you just don't have that, that flexibility. Um, there's only so much time in a day and you're only, you know, you're only afforded so much time. Um, so, so you're training, you're training like me now. So it's yeah, but yeah. god damn fucking, my upper body hurts so bad. My, yeah. I mean everything hurts because it's just shit that I don't normally do. Mm-hmm. It's mobility yeah. that I don't normally have to try and possess. Yep. It's 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 just it's gonna suck for the next like three or four weeks until the, everything gets adjusted to it. I I have found since I'm not running as a sole focus. Um, and I've been doing that for, uh, let's say one to two years during, during all my surgeries. Um, I am more mobile. Um, I am definitely stronger, um, and I'm more flexible. The other thing I notice is my entire life. I've always had that, um, that, uh, quad hamstring, you know, imbalance. Right. And I remember when I was lifting, starting to lift heavier, you know, like two years ago, I went, you know, I went to the gym, I wasn't running a lot. And I always have less on my hamstrings than I do, you know, than I do on my quads. And I put on like this really light weight on my hamstrings. And I was like, Whoa, (laughs) Um, it's amazing how much the hamstrings and the glutes started to kick back in um, with the strength training and, you know, all the other cross training I was doing. So there are some there are some benefits to it. But I have to tell you, I, I miss being able to run as a sole focus, you know, like, like I used to. So yeah, probably well, better. it's probably better for us doing it this way, but you got to switch it up. Well, it's kind of, I mean, for me, um, I mean, I, I used, I lifted weights during my run training pretty much up until two months before Western States and then kind of dialed it back to body weight exercises for about a month and then almost nothing for about a month going into Western States, just kind of mobility and stuff to, to stay loose. Um, and then I didn't really pick it back up going into uh, Jigger Johnson and anything else for the rest of the summer. I just kind of ran. And more or less for the better part of two years, it's been pretty running focused. There's been times where I've you know been done with my run season and I've been on the bike. We've talked about it here where I've spent time mm-hmm. out biking, um, other things, but it feels like there was never really an extended period of time. And I had kind of made a decision that after Jigger Johnson, that I was going to take six to eight months and not focus on, on running or not pick a, a spring race 
to get into wait till fall races and start training up for a fall race so that I could enjoy a ski season. I've sacrificed ski season for a couple of years um, mm -hmm. in pursuit of other race goals. Um, I've sacrificed a lot of mountain bike seasons. Um, and that, I mean, even with a, with a fall race goal, I'll sacrifice the beginning part of mountain bike season um, to focus on that. But um, are you happy? Are you happy about this switch up? Dude, I'm just tired right now. I, I can I'm, I can totally hear that in your voice. That's actually why I asked. <laughs> I um I just feel I feel I mean I feel tired all all around. It it's been a very not even not even just being done with race training and all that stuff. I mean, like I got done with with race training and like I said my week was two days of two and a half hour mountain bike rides, like four hours of jujitsu, three hours of lifting, two plus hours of running still. And then I'm going to go lift after we get done with this. Like, and do you just, know what, Sean, it's just a lot. And I'm, I was going to, I'm old. So here's, Sucks. Even, you know, like we talked, we've talked about this many times, even coaches need coaches, therapists need therapists, doctors need doctors, right? But it sounds like you, the cross training is a really good idea, but you may need to just step back and take a day off. <laughs> you may need to just dial it back because your body, you're still you're still in it from Western states. You're still in that recovery. You're still in it from Jigger Johnson. You you haven't recovered yet. You're recovering. Yeah, one hundred percent. The yeah, I just made to be one hundred percent honest. We had, I probably just need a really good night's sleep. We've had several late nights for compounding reasons, and then compounded with early mornings for other things and. Just, I feel like one good day of sleep might might reset everything. Um, I never know what day it is because of all the shift work I do. I think it was Friday. Um, I was so miserable and so cranky. And then we went to a funeral yesterday. I came home from the funeral. I took a nap and uh, took a nap for about an hour. And then I actually slept last night and I feel like a new person. I don't have that like cranky on edge anxiety. Yeah, sleep sleep makes a huge difference. Yeah, one hundred percent. And and most days, most Fridays and Mondays, I work from home, so I get a little extra, a little extra. It just it eliminates an hour commute, right? So yeah, it affords me, a little, too. Yeah. little extra in that regard. And then, um, but like I said, every every day has been just cramming the very last of summer before the kids go back to school. My wife, who doesn't ever want to be involved with people, decided she wanted to have an end of summer party because she has issues with the end of summer. She gets depressed. Seasonal depression comes upon her. Once the days start getting shorter and winter's looming and she's having, I guess, matriarchal issues where she's feels like our children are growing up too fast and so I kind of 
I, I feel Carrie's pain. We have a, our 18 year old is leaving for college. Um, we're bringing her up on Thursday morning over to New York. And we had her party. It was last, it was last weekend, last Saturday. Um, so we had a bunch of people at our house. All the grownups were here during the day. Um, a couple of people stayed over and then all the, all of her kids, I mean, she had, I don't know, 20 to 30 teenagers here at night. And a bunch of them slept over. Yeah, it's a lot. Just just wait till just wait till they go to college. I can't <laughs> wait, Megan. There's a much different, I think, parental feeling from being a father and, and being a mother. You know, I don't I mean, you 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 are probably you're probably right, although I don't think you and I are ever going to be able to figure that out because I'm not going to have the opportunity to be a dad and you're not going to have the opportunity to be a mom. Um, 100%. I just, the way my wife feels about things and the way I feel about things are, are quite different. And I think that, yeah. and it sounds like, I would, I would guess that Bill probably feels the same way, similar to I do. And you probably feel more like my wife does. Um. I think at least in regard to college, um, I don't know, talk to me, talk to me next Thursday. So we're going to be up in, we're going to be over in New York for two days, but who knows, who knows? I have no idea what I'm going to feel over those two days, dropping her off. Um, Bill is already, Bill is already quite sentimental and, and feeling, you know, feeling sad about dropping her off. I am definitely going to miss her. I love her being here. But at the same time, I'm super excited for her, and I feel like she has this phenomenal opportunity. So it's just a bag of, it's a bag of mixed feelings. Um, and then, yeah. of course, I'm always excited for school to start. Um, you know, for regular school to start, because um, I just want to get back on regular schedule. So. One hundred percent regular schedule. Get the kids out of the house during the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I look yeah. forward. I look forward to a little bit of freedom during the day. It'll be nice, even yep. though I'm working. It'll be okay. Um, and that being said, my wife like probably deals with the majority of the inconvenience of having kids around during the day. She's pretty good about that. I just get it passed on to me more so than I ever have before because I'm not working shift work now. That's a yep. That's a different story. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at. I'm just, yeah, I'm a little tired today. I just yeah. I need a good, I recommend, good night's sleep. I recommend, an, I recommend a nap. The game changer. Some B12. A nap. B12 shot <laughs> in the ass. <laughs> you know, the interesting thing about B12 is that I notice I tend to get B12 deficiencies. And when I'm deficient in B12, when I take it, when I take the vitamin, it actually feels like I've had a cup of coffee, like I get a burst of energy, but without the jitters. Yeah. Once my B12 is regulated, I don't get that anymore. Nothing. Yeah, I've been, I've been, I've been eating like shit too, because I'm post race and I'm like, yeah, and I'm in the whole, I'm gonna binge and be an asshole. And well, while you're binging and being an asshole, <laughs> which the latter is no different than when you're training. <laughs> oh. um, but, but. Just watch, um, watch like stupid shows on Netflix, or you know, just you you need downtime, and your body, you remember, you're recovering. You're not recovered. 
Yeah, I'm recovering by like going hard into jujitsu and mountain biking, Meg. Duh. What would what would we tell what would we tell one of our athletes? Dude, yeah. Don't you hate it when people say that? I do. I hate it when people say that. Like I know freaking what I would tell the athletes. Do what I do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> yep. One hundred percent. Yeah. When you're okay, let me just put it this way. When you're when your nervous system is ready to chill, it will allow you to chill. Yeah, I, I, I do. I'm, yeah, I'm 100% sure that, that everything will, will work itself out or it'll make me work it out one way or another. It'll, mm-hmm. it'll dictate what I can do and what I can't do. But it, it, it part like a little bit is age and I don't bounce back as fast. Like doing, Rolling, rolling for two nights and rolling with some young kids pretty, pretty fucking hard. Rolling is the term, right? So the people that don't know that are listening is the term for sparring and jujitsu where you're working with one another, wrestling and going for submissions and in wrestling, full, wrestling. full, full contact <laughs> type, type movements. And so doing that pretty hard and especially with these guys that are late 20s early 30s it's a it's a different animal they're and some of them are big guys too um yeah so i have i have boxed and kickboxed that's that's my history i've never done mma or jiu-jitsu or anything like that the thing that i don't know that i could get over is i really just don't want my face in somebody's armpit or somebody's crotch um, that kind of thing. Like, I just don't want to touch people that much. Not like yeah. that. <laughs> the wrestling's not for you. How do you get over that? How do you get, I mean, really? How, ugh. It Ew. Dude, it's a, there's nothing quite like a sweaty man giving you a big hug, putting his sweaty chest in your face. Mm. How do you handle that? Don't, like, is that just incentive? Like, because like when you're on the ground, and his like butts in your face. What do you do? Just I mean, I would just be like, "Ew, stop! Please stop! Stop! Stop!" Just <laughs> everything is. You're is. You know when you're when you know when you're in a in a race, right? Okay, so you. You know when you're. You know when you're training for, a race or whatever, and you come across. Like streams and stuff like that and you'll pick your way across it and then mm-hmm. you're in a race and it's the middle of the night and you'll just run across it you, you're not like you're no like in the middle of a race you're not afraid of the animals that are on the trail in the middle of the night you're not afraid of having wet feet about being uncomfortable all that stuff all those thoughts that you have when you're training go away you're like this is like i'm in it I'm in, in okay. that engagement when you're when you're rolling with somebody and you're going and you're sparring with somebody in that same way. It's the same thing. It's you're you're engaged in it and you're thinking about how to get out and move and how to be in a better position or how to get out of this position or how to make the next move. And all the while he's doing or she's doing the same thing on her end or their end. And so it's this constant thing where you're you're just you're 
fully engaged and you're not thinking about, oh, well, I got someone's gross butt sweat on my face or <laughs> armpit sweat, like, across my mouth or the, the fact that, like, my knee's dragging across the mat and I'm, like, ripping this. You don't think about any of that stuff until yeah. it's done. It's it's the same thing. Like, so, I mean, when you were doing boxing and sparring, you, you didn't, like, yeah. think about, like, oh, well, what if, like, I get hit in the head? You just, you're, you're making those moves and, like, you're in it. Yeah, it's. So when I was boxing and kickboxing, first I'm I'm pretty tall and I but I have phenomenally long arms and legs, which made I gave me a huge advantage. So um when I was fighting, I was typically fighting with well, at least you know, spar, I would spar with whoever was available. And I usually ended up with like the six foot four, you know, male kickboxer. You know, that's that's who I usually sparred with. But um when I was fighting, I usually ended up fighting against because of my weight, because I'm thin, um, girls that were like five inches shorter than me in the same weight. So I knew that as soon as if they got on the inside, right, I'm doomed. They're going to just pound it. They're going to just pound me. Right. Yeah. So my goal was always to keep them at like arms and legs distance, because if I kept them at arms and legs distance, then they typically can't reach me. That was one of the, that was one of the strategies. But when they got inside, I mean, that's how I, that's how I've broken ribs and stuff because they're strong. (laughs) They weigh as much as me with, you know, five or six inches less than me. So, yeah. Yeah. You got to survive with the jab, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And, 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 oh my God, I think about this. I don't want to admit I'm getting old, so I'm not willing to accept what you've been talking about. But when I'm in my basement and I'm on the bag, the range of motion that I have now with my kicks, oh my God. Like, so my sparring partner was six, four and I would kick him in the head. I would do a roundhouse kick to the head. That was not, or, you know, I'd do a front kick to his chest or, you know, to his, to his solar plex. I my leg doesn't go that high anymore. <laughs> and I don't, and even I, 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 when I'm down there, I'm like, oh my God, in my 20s, the fact that I could kick, you know, somebody that tall in the head, I can't do that now. Very yeah, sad. I watched, so, I was watching a kid do heavy bag work, a young kid doing heavy bag work, throwing a mid body feint with his lead leg, and then. Mm-hmm in air swapping it up for a head kick and i was like i can't do that like any like yeah. i don't even know if i could do that in my prime like it's just yeah. an agile thing that like i don't exist that, but like yeah. that mobility and that speed i'm like eh, that's not mine i'm dumb um, but, irish keep going yeah yeah head. and are you so I, i'm ambidextrous so i constantly switch back and forth between like right hand and southpaw Okay. Yeah. I go, I go back and forth and I was also taught. So I think I initially started right-handed and, you know, and they teach us how to switch back and forth, but then I think they quickly figured that I was ambidextrous and it doesn't matter. Um, so when I practice now, I'm constantly switching back and forth. I don't, I, I don't think I even have a preference. It's just, however, you know, however I'm standing. Yeah. I I'm south off strictly, but it's just what feels natural. I do weird things like I because I'm left-handed. Like I throw a frisbee right-handed. I golf um, right-handed. When so the I'm ambidextrous. However, um, there's I don't use it that often. So like let's say I'm doing IVs or medical procedures. I initiate 
the majority of them, some of them I do with my left, but the like, especially IVs, medication pushes, I'm doing it always with my right hand. I think if something were to happen to my right hand, it would probably take me a week to adapt to using my left hand. But also because I'm in an ambulance, um, I have to move quicker. I can't really take my time. I think it'd probably take me double the time, you know, to do it, to do it with my left hand, but everything else when I'm throwing darts, I do that with my left pool. I do with my left. I can write with my right and left hand, but my left is messier. Um, Shooting yeah, pool but I don't switch is back your, and forth is your lead hand, your left hand or your lead hand, your right hand. Hold on. I got it. I got to think about this. Either. I mean, I went, so no, my lead hand is my left. The front hand is the left. Yeah, that might be right-handed. I because my lead hand is really? my right. Yeah. Okay. I, I but I can do it. Left. But I can. <laughs> I can do it. I, I can do it either way. I'm actually trying to sit here. Yeah. So anyway. Anyhow. Well, yeah. So we digress. But um, the game changer for me for over the last two years to switch things up and do as much cross training as I am, so I know it'll benefit you. The difference between you and me is you're doing it by choice. I've kind of, if I run too many miles, um, my back starts to get a little bit funky. So, um, you know, I, I run and then if it hurts, I don't, you know, um, I have not been able to surf because of the, because of the recent uh, fall off my bike that I had. Um, I think we're going to talk about that on another episode, but uh, yeah, everything else. I got my I got my bike fixed, so it's rideable again. So I have my mountain bike and my gravel bike, and and I just lifted weights before we talked. So. Yep, I get to go lift weights yeah. afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. So, what are we here to talk about, Megan? Yeah. Oh, so we're here to talk about okay. we're here to talk about failure, Megan. Well, okay. I have. I'm gonna I'm gonna intro this if it's okay with you. You had you had this race, um, and you did what we call a DNF, which means did not finish. And um, it when we're doing when we're doing these longer races, it happens. Um, and I do believe this is your first DNF. You can correct me if if I'm wrong. Oh no, you're one hundred percent. I've never DNF. Okay. Um, I have always said that, and. I, I don't consider somebody a real endurance athlete until they've DNF'd. And the reason I say that is because the pain and discomfort that you are probably feeling from that DNF adds a level to, to your athleticism that I don't know that you can get any other way. Um, I mean, there are plenty of people who are never DNF that are amazing athletes. I'm not saying that. I'm just talking from the psychological side. When you have a DNF, it freaking stings and it hurts. Um, so yeah, yeah. So Jigger Johnson, what uh, what was the plan and and what happened? Yeah. So Jigger Johnson, um, I think we, if you're listening to the Phil Karsha episodes and you've gotten through part two. Um, and we also, we also talked about it with Mindy Randall. We when did she talk was about on. with Mindy, which was forever ago. So it, you can reference mm -hmm. back to that. That was even before Western States. 
anyways, with Phil, mm-hmm. um, I think we just mentioned it in passing, but gives you a kind of a better, better idea of what, what it is in the white. Even Phil, even Phil Carcia said, whoa, <laughs> yeah. it's the race is no joke. So, so it's a hundred and it was, it's supposed to be like a hundred mile race. And then it was like a hundred eight mile race. And I think all said <laughs> and done, it's more like a hundred and twelve mile race. Um, and when it's one hundred and twelve miles in New Hampshire in the whites with thirty three thousand feet of gain <laughs> and descent, gain and descent because it's an Allen back war, so equal gain and descent. Um, it's a pretty brutal race. The can I horse, interrupt for a little bit of background here? Hold on, because um, I want to give you some some credit. Um, we talked about this um, on our last episodes with Phil Carcia. The whites are a unique animal. Um, there's many, many mountain ranges, and but the whites are no joke. And, you know, they're typically all, you know, in the 4,000 foot range, you know, some, some a little more. But the, the way the weather system is, it makes... And I'm not that kind of smart, so I'm going to just explain this like a big dink. But the conditions there change very quickly. The trails are super technical. Um, and that's, I don't even know technical is the word for it. There's a lot of rock climbing. And I don't mean like um, actual rock climbing, but there's like boulders in the middle of the trail that you kind of have to go up and over. There's It is not super runnable. There are sections that are runnable, but it's it's gnarly. Yeah, the uh, the course the course is is pretty br- brutal. If you were to map it out, it starts in Waterville Valley, uh, which is a ski area. It goes up over Mount Tecumseh, which is a four thousand footer. Goes up over the Osceolas, which are four thousand footers. Drops down to Hancock Notch, which is essentially a crossover the hairpin turn at uh, the Kankamangas Highway. Um, then follows uh, the, I think it's the Sawyer River Trail out towards where uh, Hancock Notch, or um, the Hancocks would be if you were to take the, the trail up to do the Hancock Loop. Um, but it follows that Sawyer River Trail, crosses the Sawyer River a bunch of times, out towards Sawyer Pond, then traverses up over uh, Mount Tremont, and then we went into the Bartlett Experimental Forest. So you go, at this point, you're at like the lowest elevation. And then you climb back up over another couple 4,000 footers, Atatash and, and Moat and South Moat. And then you drop down South Moat the other side and then turn around and do it all in reverse. Um, Tremont might be the biggest climb on it because I think you are at and biggest descent on it because I think you're at the lowest when you climb and then you descend to the lowest point on the course and then you reverse it when you come back. Um, and it's it's not a 4,000 footer. I think it's three something, mm-hmm. but you climb damn near 3,000 feet over two, two and a half miles mm-hmm. and descend it's 3,000 no feet over two and a half miles. Um, so that's that's pretty aggressive. Um, the mostly Tremont's mostly dirt trail, but there's still there's still scrambling and rock stuff and roots and whatever. Um, 
Tecumseh and the Osceolas are probably, for people that have hiked it, are probably the easiest portion of that course. Mm -hmm. um, Atatash starts off nice. Same with Moat. Atatash and Moat, the entrance and exits of those are, are pretty, pretty okay. Um, but once you are about a mile in to the climb, it's it's rock face, granite face that you're climbing. Mm -hmm. Whether right. it's whether it's above um where it's an alpine zone and you're you're really on rock faces or whether you're just scrambling up different like rock faces in tree cover um and then descending down it. On top of that, the connection between Adatash and moats are not super traversed. So those are pretty overgrown. There's actually some, there's actually on the top of Adatash, there's a swamp that's knee deep that you have to traverse through that you can't avoid. Um, and then the section between, I know I'm really selling this race. People are going to fucking die to sign up for this race. Um, the section from Hancock Notch through Sawyer Pond, um, it was, it was literally like, it's just a fucking, it was literally just a stream. I, I don't even know how to explain it other than yes, you I, are, you are in a, a knee deep stream for, mm -hmm. for fucking seven miles. Um, yes. and, the, and at different points you're crossing over an actual river. Right. Um, and now some of that could have been compounded by this particular summer that has been, I think, arguably it's one our, of the most. Our trails in New Hampshire a are a hot mess. It's really, um, yeah, they're a mess. There's so much washout. There's so many changes. Um, yeah. Yeah, everything, sure. everything. I mean, and that's that's just straight across New England. I mean, the trails in Connecticut are the same yeah. way. The trails in Vermont are the same way. Everything. We just, we've had one of the wettest summers that I think anyone has remembered for, for a long so time. So what happened, what happened to you on this gnarly course? So I went into the race post-Western States a bunch of my friends that I, I kind of train with and run with um, were doing this race. So there was five of us from Connecticut. Um, well, there's technically six of us from Connecticut, but one, one of these people is an alien and he doesn't really count in the, the peer group uh, that I am a <laughs> part of. He, he won the race, Justin Kowski. Um, <laughs> he ran it in 31 plus hours. Oh my God. It's like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. He's, he's, a, 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 I mean, he's like, if he's just a legit different animal, I am interested to see if he starts running bigger races where he like falls in. Um, yeah, to fucking di just okay. different animal. Anyways. All right. So you, so what, tell me about you. So, I, like I said, went into this race with these five other dudes, um, and it was kind of going to be a fun and game type thing, <laughs> an adventure. And I knew, and I've been in, in, in places where I'm like, this is just, it's two days. It's just going to suck. You're just going to be in it. It's just going to suck. It's going to be wet. You have to like do the prep to like, make sure like, you know, you're, you're taking care of your feet are taken care of, um, you have to have the, the gear. You have to have everything set up. You have to have a plan. All that was fine. 
all that was dialed in. No issues with that. You have to do the hike training. Got to do the hill repeats. Got to get the gain every week. All that was fine. Um, now, what I said was, this is a group run that we are all having fun on. It's not. It's a race. <laughs> right? Like, it, it's still a fucking race, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and at some point, to whoever you're with is possibly, and I've done it, and, like, I've been on the other side of things where, where I was like, oh, yeah, we'll all go in and have a group run. And then you're like, oh, I'm feeling good. And I know you guys are feeling like shit while I'm racing. And so, so mm-hmm. I don't, so it's, that's part of the dynamic. It's, it's a race when it comes down to it. Um, and I wasn't committed to the race. That's the long short of it. My head and heart weren't fully committed to the race. My training. Well, you were just coming off Western States yeah. 100 mile. Yeah. You know, so fucking Courtney to Walter did like hard rock three weeks earlier. Right. But but the difference the difference between Courtney to Walter and the other professional athletes is they live a life where this is their job. Right now, in your life, my life, you know, all of our friends' lives, we have kids and work and responsibilities 100%. and families, you know? Yeah. It's um, like it's so different, you know. I mean, so my training was 85 to 95% of what it needed to be to perform at what my best level would have been. But, now, but also, Sean, can you, I don't think you can, I'm going to, I was going to ask this question, but I think I'm just going to say it as a statement. I don't think you could have trained for this. You were coming off of Western States. So you were super trained for Western States 100 mile, right? But you're still in recovery mode. And I think for regular people, um, assuming they're not, you know, like we talked about professional athletes, I think it takes about a month to fully 100% recover from a hundred mile race, you know, give or take, there's no science to that number, but yeah, you, were, mean, you it, were in recovery mode. It was going to be, it was going to be a push 100%. Um, I had, I had enough time to recover and, and be like, physically, I didn't feel bad. How long did you though? Was three weeks? Uh, 24. I don't think you were recovered. Eight or nine weeks. There's eight or nine weeks. Yeah, June twenty fourth to August twenty. Okay, all right. Okay, all August, right. So longer than I'm thinking. Okay. August fourteenth. Yeah. Man, so I guess, this summer's this summer's flown by. Holy crap. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. It was yeah eight weeks I think. Okay. Um, still, but yeah, you're you're recovering and just yeah. sort of. No, it's so like my my training path. wasn't yeah. like I said my training wasn't wasn't bad. I just. It took me a while to like get into it, and then I still wasn't like 100% fully committed. Like it was, like I said, 85 to 95% of what I think to, I would have needed to do to be mm-hmm. fully, to be my best. Like I was prepared enough yeah. to do it. Like I was physically fine. Yeah. Um, but like I said, my head and heart weren't there. When it right. when it came down to, we were going up over Atatash and the moats, and we were mm-hmm. coming down the moat to the moats the turnaround at night i was i was with i was by myself for a portion of it trying to pick my way through and i came across some other runners the group that we were we were together had split up there was two guys behind me that were were i kind of i think they were really sticking together and then one of my buddies was up ahead he had he had powered up ahead probably about 15 20 minutes in that section 
and it got to the turnaround probably about 25 minutes before I was going to get to the turnaround. Um, and there was like another group of runners that I kind of had met up with to get to the turnaround. And we, cause we were at a certain point, like the trail and your GPS and everything were not aligned in the trip. Cause mm-hmm. I think that some of the trail had been rerouted a little bit from what the GPX file had been. They, there was like a couple added switchbacks and, on top of that, you're on, um, you're on bald rock faces trying to follow follow Karens in the night, which is hard to do because depending on where you are, you might not see the next Karen to know that the trail is going this way. Or so you're kind of like a little bit of wandering, and it's, at this point, it's like a little discouraging, and it's wet and it's granite, and we're like slipping and falling. Yep. Mm-hmm. And every and it's not just me; like this is everyone. So like. This is not exclusive to why I DNF. It's just, this is just going into like the mental status of where I was. And so I'm getting pretty beat up. I'm alone. It's dark. And I'm coming into the aid station. And the, one of the, one of my, I would say like, I would say my teammates, but it's not right. Like, it's, like I said, it's a race. One of the guys in the group is coming back out the other way. Um, and I, I look at him, I'm like, I think I'm done. And he's like, he's like, yeah, they, they just told me I had to like leave now because I had so much time to get to the next aid station. I was going to be like a DNF and like blah, blah, blah. And the time he told me what he had to get to the next aid station, and this is, this is not a knock on the aid station volunteers, but it took us, it took us seven and a half hours to get from where we where the the aid station that he has to get back to and it's the same right we're going the same point it's the it's the turnaround so we're going back the same distance took us seven and a half hours in the dark and he had like nine and a half or ten hours and they're like rushing him out of there like he has like four hours to get there and he's never going to make it and so he was coming out of there kind of in a panic and i was like i don't want to fucking grind like because my heart wasn't into it i was like i don't want to grind out over this thing that i just just did and then dnf at the next aid station so i was like fuck it i think i'm dnfing here um so why do you think your heart wasn't in it my heart wasn't in it just because like i yeah, I wasn't, why though do i don't have a i um my heart wasn't into it because it wasn't a race for me it was a race to like have fun and like have a party and like and when that's what your attitude is it's not about it wasn't my heart wasn't it to finish like i mm-hmm. physically like i said physically i was fine i got done um i mean i i hurt like i did 56 miles and mm-hmm. seventeen thousand feet of vert it's very <laughs> painful to do that um yeah. but like my feet were fine um i wasn't too bruised up I ran and rode the you know next days. Um, I was fine. Um, I wasn't too tired. Yeah, it, I just once the group broke up, and it was about finishing on your own. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do that to begin with. Like, I I went in there, and and I went in there, and I like I said, I knew that that, that was a possibility. 
that and uh, by that was a possibility. I knew that that was a likelihood because it's been every race that I've I've never I've never stayed with the same group of people start to finish in a race. Never happened. Never, never. I've never mm-hmm. seen it. I'm sure it me happened. Me neither. <laughs> um, but it has never happened for me. So once that dissolved, I just I didn't want to be out there anymore. I was like, oh fuck it. I just rather go home. My my wife and my kids weren't there. Um, if my wife and kids maybe were at the next aid station, I would have like been like, well, fuck it, I'll get to see my wife and kids. It'll give me a little reprieve mentally, emotionally, um, and maybe I'll like do it. It was like, like in the episode with Phil where he was talking about, you know, doing, doing the guidebook, redlining, and he was talking about like, I just would have rather been at home, like watching netflix and and spending time with my my partner and that's where i was i would just i would just i didn't getting getting to the finish line and getting the belt buckle didn't mean as much to me as at that moment has going home and seeing my family uh, that's the long sense. short of it and i'm not mm-hmm. like and that's not to put like blame on anyone or anything it was just, no i don't hear, i don't hear you doing that at all i've been in that just, place i know just, what that feels like yeah i just like i just I didn't want to be yeah. out there anymore. It was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. My head, my head and heart were like at that point. I had already prior after Western States. I was like, I already made a plan. I was like, I'm not running a spring race. I want to unless the the immaculate happens and I get into Western States or Hard Rock, which is probably not going to happen. Um, I want to have a ski season with my daughter and I want to like do that. And I want to actually, cause I've sacrificed ski season for training for, for three years or four years. And, um, I want to do that. And I want to, cause I, I love skiing and like, I haven't, mm-hmm. haven't made those moves, um, because of that. And then, so I had already committed to like not racing in the spring and I already committed to, I already committed essentially mentally and emotionally to changing up what I was doing. So it was, it was all that. Yep. Um, And then I got, you know, a big fucking DNF. Welcome. Welcome to endurance sports. It can be great and it can just, some days it just sucks and other days it's just not fun. You know, it is what it is. the discipline to, to grind it out and be out there just wasn't there. But there's also a discipline to not finishing and living to run another day. Yeah. But like I said, that wasn't my issue. My issue wasn't. Right. Like, but I'm giving you, no, but I'm, I know it's, but no I'm giving physical you, danger. Right. But the thing we forget in our society is that the body and the mind are one. They are not two separate things. And we always, we separate them. Right. So it's like one of my, it's like my life's work. I think I have this discussion with somebody every single day. Your body and your mind are one. And when your brain is fatigued, your brain is your body. And that has a giant effect on your body, whether it's emotional or physical. And it, that is a tough course. And that is not a fun race. Well, I, and I don't mean that's not a good race. I just mean that there's a lot of races that I would do for fun just to go out there. That one, you have to be all in it just because the course is so gnarly and the conditions, the conditions this, this summer are no joke. Yeah. I mean, part 100%. And I, even 
when you're saying like you had to be I to a certain extent I will be 100% honest I probably underestimated the course I had gone out there and done a section of it and I knew and I've done other stuff like I've done the Pemi loop and I've done other stuff where you're where you're out there for a length of time and you're doing yeah it's different though yeah but like But I kind of, I, like I said, I didn't take the course lightly. I knew it was going to suck. I just probably didn't give it 100% full respect that it deserved. And that's, that's what it is. Like, um, that's, that's, that's another aspect of it. Um, but it's, it's like I said, the real aspect was like, I just, I just didn't fucking want to be out there anymore. And so, so I don't, you know, I don't, I mean, I would have rather finished because then you just don't have to worry about it again. Um, Do you think you'll go, do you think you'll go back and do that race again? If I don't get into UTMB next year, I'll be there. Okay, cool. I don't fucking, I don't leave things on the table. Um, yeah, if not, it'll be two years after after I do UTMB. It'll be the the following mm-hmm. fall. Yeah, um, it's a lot. Hopefully, of, hopefully they can of, still have it because it's it. Yeah. Woo. Well, and a lot of it just isn't just isn't runnable. <laughs> That's it. Oh, it's, it's the, not. Of the of the course, probably maybe maybe twenty miles is runnable. Maybe. That's, that's what I would have guessed. And maybe and maybe 30 total, maybe, I guess. I think we've talked about this in the past on the podcast. Maybe we haven't. I don't rem- It's funny. I don't remember our real life conversations versus podcasts now. But you are a very good technical runner. From I don't ever feel like, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm a good technical runner, period. I really never have been. I do best on you know, I do best on like dirt roads or easy trails. Um, but I, but I can hike, you know, um, you have to be a killer hiker. Um, I think on that course, and I don't know about the, about the guy that won it, how his hiking skills are, or, you know, but I think he just fucking ran it. But he would fall. That's the thing. I don't understand. I don't, I bet he, I bet he hiked a lot. We need to have, you know, we should have him on the podcast. I think he's a fucking alien. Okay, let's let's get him on the podcast to talk about this. I don't right? think he speaks English. I think he's just an alien. Could be. Well, I'll get a, I'll get Google Translate going. We'll try. We'll try to get him on the podcast. But it's again every time I'm up in the whites, maybe ten percent of it's runnable. Yeah. You know, um, but I end up I end up hiking most of it. Now, did you have poles or no poles? So, I. I can't, I'm talking back. about hiking poles. Yeah, I went back and forth on this about a thousand yes. times. Yes, um, I, yeah. So, I trained with poles, so mm-hmm. using poles yep. wasn't, wasn't an issue. Um, and I, I had poles. Now, to do it again, would I have poles? At times, they were helpful. Yeah. A lot of times, I stowed them. Yep. And just, because... Uh, I, sometimes you're just scrambling up and down and you're you're not you, you can't use them even if you wanted to yep. um that's the and and all the time i spend on the weights sometimes i use them sometimes i don't 
I don't like it's, it's, it. It's not like UTMB where you you have. Right, you went too. You're you're. I mean, there's you. You're just you're not using them a ton. Yeah, and UTMB just for those who don't know, when you if you have poles, you have to have them on you at all times. If you don't, you can't you can't pull them out. But the hard part is for those who haven't been up into up into the whites that if you have poles it's kind of a pain in the butt to stow them. I mean, I don't know, maybe it takes a minute to lock them up and, and put them on your pack. But what I typically end up doing is I'll have the poles. And then when I, if I'm rock hopping or something, I'll just like shove them under my arm, you know, and, and put them there for, you know, maybe about five minutes while I'm going over whatever boulders or whatever's going on. And then I grab them again. So I have never found a good solution to using them or, or not using them, um, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, so the, the um, Solomon came out, if you use Solomon pack, Solomon came out with the Solomon quiver, which is. Is that what you're using? Yeah, it's just, um, it's literally like like a quiver that you would put arrows in to, to, mm -hmm. and it just attaches on the pack and attaches That's kind of cool. Um, so you don't have to, so you don't have to fold them up. No, you still have to fold them up. So you fold them. Oh, you do? Okay. Um, but there, it's not bad. It takes okay. two minutes, but you, you throw them back there. But, but, but my dilemma is that, and cause I have a spot on mine that I can easily put my poles in, but okay. I take a minute to fold them up. I get them in my pack. Okay. I get my pack back on it, And then I don't use them for five minutes. And then I realize I need them again. So yeah. So, wait. so, so yeah. And, and in this, what's the best way? So, some of the course polling is not out of the question, and then some of the course polling is completely out of the question. Now, mm -hmm. if right, so for for example, going up. Out of the gate, going up to Kamsa, you can probably use your poles the whole way up to Kamsa. Probably all the way, I think, to be 100% honest, maybe I put Stodum at one section on a downhill, but maybe all the way through Hancock Notch, my poles were accessible to me. Then, after you get through Hancock Notch and you're coming through into Sawyer Pond or Sawyer River crossings and all this. At that point, I folded them up and did not touch them again. Now, this is flat, but it's so overgrown with like laurel and you're in water that's knee deep and other stuff. Maybe they would help you on, on stream crossings, but I even didn't find that. Like, because you're literally no, crossing a river and some people like to use them as stability. Yeah, um, no, I don't. Then I just, I worry more about like, I'm like, oh, well, like I have to place my pole here. And I have to place, my, and then I'm not thinking about where my feet are. And it's, right. so, so I had them stowed for that entire section. I pulled them out for the climb up to Tremont. Um, and I probably, I probably could have, I, I don't know. I think I probably used them the whole way up Tremont. Tremont's, that's a gnarly climb, but it's not super overgrown it's not super like i said there's not a ton of rock scrambling a little bit here and there it's a lot of step ups on like over roots and 
um, yep. like tree roots that are like growing and that create divots and whatever. Um, and it's just a, it's just a long climb. And same with the descent. The descent you could probably still them because you're kind of going downhill. But I had them out because you can use them as stability. Um, then there's through Bartlett through so you go down. Is it three twelve. It's into Bartlett, and then you can use them all the way through that, through the first mile at Atash with no problems. But then once you hit Atash and you're on that steep pitch of climb, you don't need them again until you come back to that point and you're going back down. The the whole way up Atash, down Atash, up the moats, down the moats, except maybe for the last run out of the moats, the, the poles are useless because you're you're on granite so you can't bite into anything right or you're scrambling over rock or i i had them stowed for for most of that section um so i probably so, use my poles usefully for out of the 56 miles that i did probably probably half of it um yeah. but i had to carry them for all of it and that's right annoying so i have a as a little little change of gear question so how are you emotionally recovering from this what are you, what are you doing to emotionally recover from the dnf jacking my dick megan can we say that <laughs> no am i gonna have to edit that one out <laughs> we'll, leave, we'll leave that right in um, okay all right so yeah so it's been a nice podcast sean <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, like i said there's so aside from aside from my pride being what it is and never having yep. dnf the the so the reason i've never dnf the race or the reason i've been legitimately afraid to dnf a race and i'm gonna be 100 is because i'm afraid that it'll be easier the next time mm. right like it's like fuck it mm -hmm. i've done it once like it doesn't i didn't die the world didn't end. and do you think that's now having dnf do you feel like that's true i don't fucking know i won't know until i okay. do my next race so and it gets shitty i'm gonna this is you know like just my opinion man but I think that once you've DNF'd, it makes it harder to DNF because you know how it feels. I it, don't know. I've seen a lot of people that have hit that DNF mm, and then it becomes talking, very okay, easy for them is, to pull pull the okay, this, I, let me. This is for me. I can't. I think I think for me, um, I'm less likely to DNF because I've done it before and I know how bad it sucks. Maybe I, and maybe it's an individual thing. I think you've got a you've got a really good point there. Um, I don't like to not do what I've intended to do, <laughs> right? And I, I think that I think that you're gonna fall into the same camp. Um, but I also think that it's good, like. Do you, you know, you, we've talked about this before. Do you want to, do you want to die out there on this course? And I, I mean, I don't mean literally. Um, I mean, although I suppose we could die out there, but it, what's, you know, is your heart in it? And, and like Western states, I think that you, if, you know, 
if you got in a really bad place, I think you would have had to be pulled by medical staff or by race staff before you DNF'd. Because you're, was, that was. I was in a pretty bad space, Megan. I was throwing up on the course. That's always a bad spot. Yeah, but end. everybody throws up during all. Everybody throws up. That's one of, well, that's, that's all of us are in bad spaces in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I mean like um, a not safe place. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't think I, you would have DNF like this for, for Western states because your heart was 100% in it. And this was, this was a big goal of yours. Um, but like you said, your heart, your heart really wasn't in it. You weren't willing to die out there um, for, you know, for this race. Yeah, 100%. And, and like I said, I just, a friend of mine a long time ago, and so this is, this, to come back to like, will I DNF again? And I don't know. A friend of mine a long time ago, and, and this is, so this is where I'm at emotionally, mentally, had said, I no longer have dragons to chase. Meaning that she no longer had goals or accomplishments mm. to prove her worth. Um, and I feel like, and I feel like a lot of what I do is essentially that chasing dragons. Um, do you? Who are you proving your worth to? Myself. Okay, just asking. But like, but that's the thing. It's like, do I still need to? Do I still? Do I even want to? And so that's where I'm at emotionally, and mentally. So I don't. Right, like I'm like, oh yeah, I'll come back to this race. I'll do this. I'll do that. Like, but maybe. Six months, I don't want to do any of it. But maybe in two months, I'm like, "Fuck it, let's go." Fuck this ski season. Like, who? I don't. I don't know. It's when you're talking about dragons to chase. Um, for me, over the last two years, I have not like my body was decimated. You know, just by all that I went through, and. I have not been willing to put myself in a place where I will get hurt, right? That's just, it's, I've, I've, I've been through too many surgeries. I've been through too many procedures. So that's been my past two years, but in the two years, oh God, I've done a lot of interpersonal work and, you know, on my self-worth and all that. What I seek, like, I think my dragons today are about adventure, like, how fucking cool would it be to fill in the blank? And again, whether, and it, it could just be something local that I'm doing. It could be like a big thing that I'm thinking about, but I think that's what my dragons are based in now is longing for that crazy adventure of doing something that is just, you know, is just a little bit out there. Now that I'm feeling healthy again, I find myself you know, when you just daydream, like, hmm, would it, wouldn't it be fun if I, you know, um, that's where I think my dragons are in, in the adventure and in, I miss that living on the edge. I mean, you know, I guess pun intended if we're talking about, you know, if we're talking about mountains, but um, yeah, yeah, it's been a, been an interesting two, two years in regard to my dragons, but I think it'll be interesting to see where your dragons are you know, over the next uh, weeks, months, year. Yeah. And that's, and so, yeah, so that's kind of right. Like 
that's where I am, I guess, emotionally with that. And what, it, so like, what am I doing to like recover is like, I'm just not focusing on running. I still have, I have a, an athlete that I coach that I have to be, <laughs> he's doing, he's doing grindstone and I have to be in physically enough running shape to pace him for 25 to 30 miles. Um, I committed which that to section him. are you doing the which section of grindstone it doesn't matter it's all well because I was gonna say it's a hundred it's a hundred mile race so yeah. if you're doing, I can only, if I can only doing, pace after the turnaround after the 50 mile point. I was gonna say yeah if it's at the tail end of the race you'll be fine you know I I think it <laughs> I think you're gonna be fine <laughs> but uh but yeah but I, I and I mean honestly grindstone's not far off it's it's a month right. away I just gotta yeah. stay healthy um, and mm-hmm. if I'm not, it's like, whatever, I'm going out there and I'll, yeah. I'll support him. It's his first hundred. I'm pretty excited for him. Um, cool. He's been working real hard. Um, but yeah. And then like, it's the other thing is like, and I've told this, I probably like said this on the podcast and I've like talked about like this with like my runners and stuff like that, that like the, there's that identity aspect mm. that is yeah. shifting right so mm-hmm. um if i'm not training to be an ultra runner like where does that leave me identity wise and and that's that's kind of always been a part of it it's like well people identify me as like or as a part of this and now i'm doing this other stuff and um it is welcome welcome to welcome to my side of the trail i have been really struggling with that over the past over the past couple of years. And I think I have found peace between um, what I can do, what I'm capable of at this moment is not necessarily what I should be doing, right? Um, you know, I, I could go out and train and, and race, but I feel like it would be a little bit of a step back. But on the other hand, it kind of sucks. You know, it it kind of sucks, but it was very nice. Um, it was very nice to be out at Infinitus um, at the end of May, and I really like. I I miss it, and I have missed it tremendously. Like that that sense of community that you get in the endurance world when you know when you're out with other people that are engaging in the same same goals. Um, yeah, we yeah we all struggle with that one. Yeah, and so, and I don't know. Yeah, part of so like it, that's that's an aspect of it, the the identity thing. Um, and I'll uh, one of the things that drew the shift is, and for anyone that doesn't know about endurance running, you spend a fucking shit ton ton of time alone. You yep. can run with people pretty frequently. But no matter what happens, like you're spending, if you if you spend at worst fifty percent of your time alone, you are crushing it in the social scene. Like yes, um, absolutely. As far as that goes, and so part of why I was like, oh well, like I want to do an activity and focus on an activity that is more group oriented. I like the jujitsu side of things and, and the MMA side of things was because i kind of missed that team aspect of things that that group Mm. camaraderie that's that's on a daily like it's not just 
a once in a while, like you need other people to, to train with in, in, the, in those regards. And so did, did I did I ever tell you about the first time I ever officially trained for a marathon? Did I ever tell you this? OK, so when I was living in Austin, so I think I was it was, I think it was my senior year of college. So let's say I'm 20 years old. OK, and I started running with a group of women. Um, every Saturday morning we'd get together and then we were meeting, um, at the track at UT, like once or twice a week for speed workouts and stuff. It was great. So long run Saturday morning, I wasn't particularly training for anything. It was, I was just liking running with these women and we, we got to this point. Um, I don't know, let's say our long run was up to, you know, like 12 or 13 miles. We got to this point where I could finish the run or I could just keep going with them. Okay. Um, Cause it was, you know, kind of like back to the car and then back out again. And I just continued running with them because I was kind of happy. <laughs> I was like, I was just, I was going their pace. I was totally fine. And as a group, we got up to, I think we did a 20 mile. I think we had 20 mile was our last long run together and they're all registered for, um, for a marathon. And I was like, I didn't register. I, had no intention, but I was like, you know, I was like, I may as well just keep going with my long runs and I'll run a marathon in like a month or so. I was just going to pick one. So I went out and did a 25 mile run by myself. Now, mind you, I'm 20 years old. And, um, and I did this all on the roads, you know, around where I lived in, in Texas and in Austin. And it sucked so bad at 20 years old, I was physically fine. I could not handle being by myself. So let's say that, let's say that 20 mile run, um, I don't know, took me, or excuse me, it's 20, 25, um, probably took me, I don't know, let's, let's say a little under four hours. I was freaking miserable. I remember just, I could not, I could not be with myself. <laughs> I could not be with the thoughts in my head. And I finished that run, got home. I was like, this sucks. I'm never running that long again. Oh. <laughs> it took me it and I was totally in it for for the social scene and it it was not fun. And it's also, you know, it's also really hot in Texas in the summer. But, but it's it a took dry a heat, while. Yeah, it wasn't not in Austin. Austin is humid AF. So um but it took me a while to be at peace enough with myself to be able to spend that kind of time by myself. And at 20 years old, I was not capable of spending four hours by myself running. Yeah. And that was a really hard lesson for me to learn. Um, I don't think I, I mean, I think that was the age I really started doing like long distance hikes and stuff by myself. And I think that's how I slowly, you know, started, started running longer distances. But at that time I was like, screw this, it sucks. And I never ran the marathon. So it's not, it, yeah. like, that's the thing is for me, it's not even like if, if my buddy wanted to go run 20 miles, like I would drop, like I'd drop a hat. It's like, it's like two, today. Two yeah. But, but we're older yeah. <laughs> at, at 20 years old. I think I was not in a good place in my life. No, no. But what old. I'm saying is like, yeah. I, if someone was like, you have to run 20 miles today by yourself, I'd be like, eh, I don't really want to do that. But like, if my buddy was like, Hey, let's go run 20 miles. I'd be like, okay, let's do it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, Cause like right now, like for me, it's like, it, it's, so when, one of the things that, and I've talked about this with other runners that are, that have worked 
with coaches and work with training blocks. And I try and when I talk to my athletes and stuff like that, I try to, when you're in a training block, it is very solo. It's super selfish. And the, and though there's room for flexibility, there's not a, there's not a ton of flexibility, right? Like you can only flex things so much right. one way or another. Um, and so when I would be like out running, it'd be like, oh, well, like I have to do this type of work on this type of day. No one's, so-and-so is not going to want to do this or so-and-so is not going to want to do this pace work or so-and-so, whatever. So like you, you automatically just boom, eliminate running with anyone. And that's, that's solo. Maybe, maybe you can like work in someone else is doing something similar. You guys can kind of work, work it together. Or maybe you guys can go to the track together, even though you're working different paces. Maybe that can happen. Um, And then maybe you can work long runs together, but maybe you're going a little longer than that person, whatever. So at some point, you're no longer, it's no longer, it's, it's solo. Like you're, you're, when yep. you're in a training block, a lot of it is, yep. is solo because it mm -hmm. has to be. Yeah. And in this part of my running freedom with my training is because I'm not training for anything and I don't have any specific running goal i don't really have any to be honest i don't have fucking any goals why um, don't you just have a goal to have fun to just do what's fun well that's the thing it's like it's like yeah. if my buddies want to go like run and like i'll go run with them that's like awesome yeah. like have fun. but if like no one's running then i'll go to jiu-jitsu or maybe if right. one of my buddies wants to ride i'll go ride but but even then like if there's no one around i'm gonna pick something up and, and do it because yeah. i have to be physical it gets weird yep. Um, well, you are so, weird all the time. Don't blame it on that. Yeah, no, but like, like today <laughs> I ran, I, I ran, um, like seven miles. At, this morning we had um, Canton puts on a 5K for the PTO fundraiser for. Oh, that was today. School. Ah. Yeah, so the last 5K. So, so I was out yep. there as a, um, really as a volunteer. It was. There was a long story, a long slew of Those are a lot of work. I, I have done that be, PTA fundraiser. Yeah. <laughs> supposed to be part of a, a, it has an RD, but what? It doesn't matter. Yeah. Anyways, long yeah. story short. Um, so I was out there setting things up, squaring things away, helping thing, helping out. Um, and, and I got done it, with that the race was over everything was cleaning up and i was like all right i'm gonna go for a run and i went for a run and it wasn't bad it wasn't great but like it was definitely more work than i like really wanted to do if i was with somebody it would have been fine yeah. but i was like uh yeah. this is just me kind yeah. of doing a little, little grind here still yeah um, yeah so that's where well, i'm at you dnf'd and lived to tell about it my friend god yeah um, sucks yeah but yeah, yeah and not like i said I, the the dnf is is whatever i i thought i like i said i dnf before i ever towed the line it didn't matter um when you're not fully committed that's where you end up yeah so so that's that that's well, my good times you know it's it can't all be uh, rainbows and zebras, man. 
Dude, it can be though. You just need the no. right, you just need the right yeah. background. You can. <laughs> hey, I got it. I got like I have a nice background up right now. Uh, rainbows and zebras. Rainbows and zebras. All right. On on rainbows and zebras. What I'm almost afraid to ask. What 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 no, let me Hey Sean, what song did you pick? So I picked Jason Isbell? No. Brandy Carlisle? I don't like I don't like I don't dislike Brandy Carlisle. I like Brandy No, I know. I, those are just two um um two people that just pop side, right? side <laughs> note, just being a pain this, in the ass. Um Zach Bryan has a new album out, Tyler Childers yes. has a new album out. If you yeah. haven't listened to him, give him okay. a listen to. I've been listening to Zach Bryan. Tyler Childers, I like his music, but there's too much cigarettes and cocaine drinking in it for me. I'm like, dude. I'm just really his, not that into cigarettes is, and cocaine. His, his new stuff is very religious. Really? Yeah, it's two new albums. He went from cigarettes and cocaine to God. I think he's just—he's just a yeah. Yeah. So I'll give it a listen. I—he is extraordinarily talented. I've been listening to a lot of Zach Bryan lately. His um. His new album Manson, is. I'm trying to like. I'm trying to. I'm. Tr- I, I've listened to it at this point. Three times through, um, maybe more. I feel like I'm not sure. I it might have to grow on me a little. I I I like it's good enough that I haven't turned it off, and I've listened to it three times through. Mm-hmm. It's it's not as good has some of the other stuff for, for whatever reason. Now, like I said, my favorite album by him is his live album. It's just. It's yeah. Just a, and you know, I gave that a listen and I wasn't that thrilled with it. I like no. the, what is it? American heartbreak. What am I trying to say? You know, the, the one before this, I'm saying it wrong. Now I got to look. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, I want to see him live too. I would love yeah. to. I mean, I, his live album is like, yeah, I know. His live album wasn't, yeah, American Heartbreak. Okay, I'm not crazy. Yeah, it's, just, it's his um, 2022 release. Um, that's my absolute favorite, but. Yeah. Okay, so we digressed. Sorry, I totally interrupted you. Sean, no, 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 what are we, no, what no, are we listening so, to? So, yeah, so, anyways. <laughs> oh, so, what are we listening to? So, group got together this is if like if we could segue any further away from zach ryan it's where we're going to go with this um the lead singer from a band called get dead the bassist from a band called no effects and another dude and like i don't know got together and kind of formed this band the lead singer from get dead and this other dude got together and they like actually brought some demos to Fat Mike, who's the bassist from No Effects, who also runs a record label, and was like, hey, what do you think of this? And he loved it. He's like, I want to play on it. And they put out an album. Um, the band is called The Co-Defendants, and the song is Defcon by The Co-Defendants. It's just, it's, the album is worth a listen all the way through. It goes, it has a lot of variety of stuff that is in and out of the punk scene. There's reggae, there's ska, there's straight punk bangers. There's nothing like thrash or hardcore about it. Um, 
the lyrics are very um, anti-establishment, chaos, style, thoughts and processes, and very anti, very anti-establishment in a way that's um, not Richmond, north of Richmond, anti-establishment, I guess. Okay. So, yeah. All so, right. What we got? Let's give it a listen. Later, Sean. Later, Meg. This vein like an old cold razor blade. Survival isn't pretty, it's flesh hanging off her fangs. Hard not to butt that hand when it's all that's left to eat. Strip the meat off every finger that's ever gotten close to me. Thank you.